Hello, this is Peter Jonathan Robertson with the 49th edition of the PJ Archive. It's a phone interview I did with the highly successful and very endearing British singer-songwriter known simply as Gabrielle. We spoke in late 2001 when Gabrielle was promoting a Greatest Hits album. You know, understandably, you've called your greatest hits dreams can come true do, yeah. you, do you feel all your dreams have come true i feel a lot of them have i mean i like to think i've got a lot more and i've got a long way to go but so far so good you know i mean even my dreams couldn't have been as good as this i couldn't have dreamed this up it's like you know like when you have your dreams and sometimes they're pretty sedate and it's like when this all kicks off it's like oh my god this is amazing <laughs> do you still have to pinch yourself a bit oh yeah i still do how does it feel to be Britain's most successful female artist? Oh, my God. I still question whether I'm the most successful because, you know, we've got, like, Mel... We've got Mel C, who sold so many albums hmm. in the UK also, and I think she's fabulous. I'm just happy to be up there with the best of them for now because I still think, God, is it, you know, am I worthy of that title? But to be honest with you, I'm just loving it at the moment. I'm just trying to do my thing. What about the title of Queen of British Soul? I'm a bit scared when you say that because I would say I do like pop soul which popular music with Gabrielle soul my soul in it and if you say soul I mean I always think soul and Mary J. Blige but number one I think of Aretha Franklin but for the UK there's people like Misha Paris there's people like Beverly Knight who's got the most amazing voices I'm like oh my god that's real singing so I don't I'm a bit I'm definitely not comfortable with the title of Queen of British Soul lovely but i don't think it's rightly my title apart from dreams uh-huh. which of your songs best describes you do you think i think the song that sums up my life i've got to say is rise at the moment because yeah. um it, it to me it just said it all where i was what you know where i'd been so it's the same thing and where i wanted to be and and what i was doing with myself and and i still feel to this day that i you know i'm rising and i've risen above all the negativity and i'm still going did you know a liar who got killed? And the... I, I never knew her, but I knew her music, thought she was the most gorgeous thing, and that really shocked me because, mm. again, that involved a plane, and I already don't like <coughs> private jets. Uh, have you had any near misses? No, but I've been in a private jet before and vowed never to go in one again. Really? Was it scary? It was very scary. We only had a pilot, a co-pilot, a steward, and myself, and my rep, my record company rep that I was travelling with at the time, mm. and I didn't like it at all. Have you always been called Gabrielle? And no, because Gabriella is actually my middle name. Your middle name, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, my first is Louisa, so, you know, everyone's like, where does Gabrielle come from? Ask my mother, she christened me Louisa Gabriella, and although at home I'm Louise, and Gabrielle is just always in my middle name. So when did Gabrielle come up then, when you became in the music industry? Yeah, when I started singing at a nightclub in the West End, um, basically, when I was singing, I went to sing at this club in moonlighting and the lady said, Arthur, you know, what's what's your name? And I told her my 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 full name. She said, What's your middle name? I said, It's Gabrielle. Mm-hmm. You know, Gabriella actually. And she's like, Well just use that. So that's what we did. We just I just used my middle name and when people ask me where it came from, it's my name. It's on my birth certificate, my driving licence. So that's quite cool. But your family still call you Louisa? Yeah. Only you see all my friends from years ago and yeah. my mum, I'm Louise. 
Well, actually, Louise, yeah. even though I was Chris and Louisa, but never been called Louisa. Does anyone call you Gabby? Oh, yeah, all the time, can't you tell? <laughs> <laughs> How do you tell? Gab my name, Gab my nature. <laughs> what do your brothers do, by the way, and what do they think of your success? My brothers, right, God, they all do their own thing, and they, they're kind of, they're just proud of me. I mean, I'm the only one doing music in terms of my brothers but my uncles I've got an uncle he's been my band and he's pretty musical mm. and I've got you know I've got a musical family in the sense I've got relatives and cousins who you know are into music like myself and they're actually in the industry but you know one was being stockbroken one's unemployed and I don't know where the other one is but I shouldn't say that I kind of <laughs> you know, I know where he is but he's not in pri- oh but he's not in prison <laughs> I'm just not in contact with him. You've often talked about your mother in interviews. But All what... the time. Yeah, but what's become of your father? Oh, my father, he's... I didn't grow up with my dad, although I, I know him and knew him. Um, and we're mates now because, for, for example, I didn't grow up with him because my mum and him had me when they were very young. Right. And, you know, I would say typical man, you know, he couldn't keep himself to himself. And when my mum was 17, she gave birth to me. Yeah. And within a, month, within a month, my dad had another girl pregnant that he'd been seeing yeah. on the side from my mum and mum's like oh, I don't want to be with him you know he's yeah. got another woman so and that's what happened but my dad he's great he's got his own life I mean he comes from a good family where you know his brother's a policeman in this country I've got two uncles who attended the Hendon Police College and went on to become policemen oh, right. and the other one one of his brothers was in my band so you know he's just pretty cool he works in the t- catering trade or whatever it is and I don't know, I, I still see him, not too often, but, you know, we're always in contact. How much do you think your relationship with your dad has influenced your relationship with men in your life? The relationship with men has never been to do with my father, because my dad was always a part of my life, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I never needed a father, because I actually had my own dad, we just didn't live with him. And it wasn't until I was about 16 that my dad and I stopped talking for 10 years, or rather I stopped talking to my dad. Because he annoyed me one day. It was something quite childish, but I just thought I'll show you. Mm-hmm. And um, but no, um, it's it, a long time, isn't it? it Ten I years. know it's a long time. I think what I remember, I started dating my first boyfriend at sixteen to twenty-one. But mm-hmm. I remember him saying, "Oh, you know, she's going to get pregnant." I thought just because you and Mum had me at sixteen, at seventeen, didn't mean that I was going to go and do what you did, mm-hmm. which I never did. Why mm-hmm. I wouldn't have dared to try to bring a child into this world and have no money. When you were young, what what were your hopes regarding marriage and children? No, I just wanted to be a singer. I never wanted marriage or children. Um, you know, I, I wasn't even into boys. Oh. You know? <laughs> no, I wasn't into girls either, but I'm just saying that. <laughs> Basically, I was just like, you know... I thought I had an exclusive there. Oh, that, oh, oh, oh. Another life, perhaps. <laughs> but no, what it is is that I was... I'd seen friends and, you know... They all had boyfriends, and I just—I didn't think it was that cool. I had three brothers; they were annoying. To what extent did the disadvantages you faced in your early life make you ambitious to succeed? I don't think I had any. You know, if you, my mum was a single parent, but I don't think she never really allowed for us to go for go without anything. You know, um, I, I never really growing up now. I don't think I had a disadvantaged life. Although I read in the papers, you know, oh, we we lived in here and. You know, my mum four kids. Yeah, but mum held down two jobs. You know, you know that you got the latchkey kids now, and we were kind of semi latchkey kids because my mum would get home just after we did. You know, and um, we didn't have to stay home for longer, maybe than half hour, forty five minutes. 
But it, it's been often been said that you were put down a lot as a youngster. Definitely. Did, uh, since you've been successful, have you come across any of the people who put you down? Yeah, and one girl totally tried to deny it. I didn't actually say to her, oh, and you're one of the ones, she actually came up to me and said, oh, I've got a bone to pick with you. I read about your hard time at school and we never treated you so bad. And I was laughing because I thought, mm. I remember her name where she lived everything. Mm. Because when somebody affects you when you're young, you're like yeah. 12, 13, and if they say something that's quite cutting, then, you know, you don't ever forget it. And although I never... I wouldn't say, I never lost sleep over it, but you don't forget. I'm one of those mm. people, I've been often told I never forget things. And I'm, I tend not to. And if someone's been mean, I'm not going to harbour it against them and, and lose sleep over it. But I, ne I won't forget. And she was one of those people, so I kind of laughed because I thought, God, doesn't it? It must do her, you know, it must be annoying, yeah. you know, after she'd been so cutting in her remarks to me and she was supposed to be a friend, to later on see me out there and, you know, the it's dodgy eyed girl with, on the TV and, mm. and singing songs that I've written myself and... It's said that artists are often made even more creative and effective by difficulties they've faced. Do you think that's true of you? I think that's very true. I think that who I am today, I mean, for many people, it's not just a, a solitary experience. That you know, you're, what happens to you when you're young shapes you, shapes the person you are and, and become. And I think that a lot of me, you know, even if it's some of my flaws, like my insecurities, my mum tried to teach me to be strong. But when you go to school and your mum's not there and, you know, you've got friends or so-called friends who can be quite mean, I wasn't a weakling, but it did, it did change my perception and maybe think, God, not everyone's nice. But you, you naturally, that's a natural learning thing. You know, you eventually find that out for yourself. And, you know, and so even my insecurities that I might talk about my big butt or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's because everyone used to point it out to me when I was younger on my big feet, you know. Yeah. What, what size are those feet? Oh, they're bigger than the bones. <laughs> And you don't forget those things, but, you know, it's, you know, but I guess I'm lucky that my nature and personality wasn't that I would say, but I'm going to kill myself. Yeah, know. yeah. So, um, I, I interviewed your friend, Misha Paris, just the other day. Yeah. Oh, she's fantastic. So there are some very strong similarities in your life. You see, I've got nothing but respect for that woman because yeah. to me she's like that kind of that strong woman she's like an amazon for me she's amazing gabrielle to what extent do you feel that the difficult times you've been through have been fate's counterbalance for the good times i think it's about karma for me and i think that a lot of the negativity for example my self-esteem and like just the way i look and then it's ironic that all the things that I didn't like about myself, you know, I never imagined that I could be on TV and just be the girl next door, have the lazy eyelid and, and have success because I was told, I mean, I had a voice coach years ago who said, oh, you know, you've got to stop dressing like that. You can't be the girl next door. To now have the success where, you know, my eyelid was something that affected me, and you know, in terms of my insecurity and stuff. And yet there I was on TV with this eye patch over it. Talk about bringing attention to it. Mm. And um, and I think that it's really weird because it's almost like, it, in a way, it was a good thing to happen because there are a lot of people out there who are told, well, you can't do this and you can't possibly on, be on TV and have any form of success if you don't look a certain way. So by having that success, it's made me realize, wow, it's not the way that impossible. people say, yeah. yeah, and anything is possible. You know, you've got Jeremy Beadle who has <laughs> yeah. you know, a hand, and I never noticed it for years. Mm -hmm. And I looked and I thought, he's got something wrong with his hand. And I was like, wow, there, are, there is someone out there who's like me and is not perfect. 
during the really tough times a few years ago, did you ever consider quitting Britain to escape the bad publicity? Oh, yeah, oh, I did. I was going to take my son away abroad forever and ever, amen. That was it. Where? Um, to the Caribbean. Well, good choice. Yeah. <laughs> Hot, remote, people not interested in what's happening in London. And nobody knew me out there. But what changed your mind? My mother. You know, she was like, you don't, you can't run away from something that wasn't your fault. To what extent did having a child stop you from going over the edge then? It totally does. I, I know it doesn't work for everybody, but it's because you, when you're a parent, you, you do selfless things and, and you think for your child. And if I'd lost it and maybe, you know, started drug taking or something, then I guess that my son wouldn't have mattered, you know. He wouldn't have been enough. And because mm. my love for him was greater than my love for myself, it meant that, yeah, if I loved myself more, I would have been indulgent and done all the things that would have appeased myself, probably. I mean, I don't do drugs, but I do chocolate. Oh, <laughs> like me too. Right, and so, you know, I just get fatter, but I feel good, though, even though I feel depressed when I go on the scales and I'm heavier than I'm supposed to be. And so when my mum was, like, trying to make me see sense, and then you can't just run off and take your kid and blah, 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 it was a case of... I don't, you know, my son comes first and it means that I'm going for all this shit and I'd rather just lay down and die. But you know what? No, I can't because my son needs me. He's more important than I am. But in order for him to get the best of me, I have to be good to me. Your song from Bridget Jones's Diary was yeah. very well received. Will you be working on the sequel? I haven't been asked and I'd be a bit scared, actually. Why? Because when I first wrote Out of Reach, when I was first after it, I was really scared. I thought, I don't know if I could... And because I've written, read the book, I was able to put myself in Bridget Jones's shoes. So when I was writing out of reach, it was because I was Bridget Jones and I'd felt that pain. Yeah. So, um, you know, and it was, I remember when I wrote it and I thought, well, you know what? I hope they like it. If they don't like it, well, I'll just use it on my album instead. Oh. And, you know, the, the idea that you could be rejected is like, oh, no, I'm not good at handling rejection. I'm a big baby. <laughs> So um, I'd be scared because this one has, has been so has been so well received that I'd be scared just in case I didn't do as good a song, you know. So I'm like, uh -uh, let someone else come and try their luck. Have you yet been approached to act? Um, a couple of times, like in shows. Like one a few years ago was something they had called Hair. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm still trying to master my own craft, let alone acting. And I, I say hats off to all those actors out there because I have to film a video and I moan. I'm like, not a whole day. For hair, you'd have to get your kit off. Oh, How? Is that? Oh, well, I didn't know that. Oh, yes, a naked one. my kit off, love. <laughs> <laughs> have you been offered money by men's mags and things like no, that? Oh, no, no. I think they'd be offering me money to keep my clothes on, don't you? No, <laughs> oh, bless you. <laughs> You've often expressed dissatisfaction with your appearance. Are you not satisfied yet? No, because I'm still a fat cow in my own words. But I'm, I'm a happy fat cow, but I'd be happier if I could lose about three stones. <laughs> I'm waiting for disaster to strike like, um, like Vanessa Feltz said. You know something? Yeah. It won't, because I've had disaster and it just made me eat. So I say hats off to Vanessa, who decided she's going to do something about it. She looks fantastic. I don't know, maybe I'll have to... I don't know, it just doesn't work for me. You know, like, women I know, they go through a disaster and they don't eat. I, that's the first thing I do, chocolate bars. <laughs> me too. <laughs> How much does the youth and beauty-obsessed aspect of the music business bother you? Oh, it doesn't, because, you know, what? Well, my mum's 49 and she look half bad, and, and while she's got fantastic skin, I'm like, you know what, there's always plastic surgery if I don't like myself later. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just, I, I just have facials and... You know, and I just do what I can do for my own, you know, peace of mind, and that's it. But I'm not really that obsessed. 
How many eye patches did you used to have, and what have you done with oh them? Oh, my God, I had tons. I had so many, um, to the point where a lot of them were being collected from joke shops, um, and, and then they were being made for me. Um, they, some of them were given away to charity. Mm-hmm. And the other, my son found a load of them that I'd forgot I'd had. And because we'd moved house, he'd found, like, a whole load of, like, what are these for, mummy? And it was really weird because, you know, he, I guess he'd seen a couple of pictures when he was younger yeah. and not taken them on board. And now it's like, God, mummy used to wear an eye patch. You know, and he put one on the other day, and I'm really laughing. It's so funny because it had all sequins on it. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> did your fans wear them when you did? You know something? Never. I, I wasn't that lucky to have, like, a, a huge following like that who'd wear my eye patches. I don't think they thought it was cool enough. Well, I suppose there was respect for you as well, because yeah. they realised it was, you know, for a serious reason. Yeah, but I didn't mind. I would have actually liked to have had a few. You know, like how Boy George yeah. had the audiences coming <laughs> dressing like Boy Georges. I, I would have loved that, actually. How many pairs of sunglasses do you own? Oh, my <laughs> God. I've got over 100 pairs. Really? Not, not Elton John standards. by this make called Replay, because they do the best shape for me and I'm only now discovering other makes but replay with like the glasses that they're the best shape if ever you see me I've got my they hide everything will you ever perform without your eyes covered nah <laughs> why not because I don't think people would probably miss the show and everyone would be trying to see what's the matter with my eyes or something and I wouldn't feel 100% confident you know um, so, but sometimes I go on stage and my glasses aren't as dark. Like I've had a few sheer ones, but I feel mm. really conscious. Is it true that Bob Dylan wrote to you to congratulate you on Rise? I don't know if he wrote to me, but I know he he sent something somewhere in in the sense of when we first did the song, my record company had to send the tape to him to, for mm. approval or not, and we got a reply from you know from Bob Dylan's people or Bob Dylan himself because I never actually saw the correspondence saying uh, that he loved the song and we can use it but I never actually got a telegram or anything that would have been nice because I think yeah. it's amazing but if, if ever a reply was sent I haven't got it and it's being withheld <laughs> have you ever seen his film Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid I actually haven't you know because that particular bit you sampled is yeah, throughout the that. film yeah have you ever met Dylan? You haven't met him, I presume? Never met him, no. Would you, would you like to? Uh, of course I would. Yeah. I, one time I was on tour, but the day I, he was meant to be coming yeah. over to the UK, I was away, and I was so gutted, because it would have been so nice just to meet him to thank him, because, you know, he's a great storyteller, he's this great musician, he's well-respected, and, you know, that would have been amazing for me. But all is not lost. I'm hoping one day it will be possible. You did a lovely song with these 17. Yeah. W- will there be any more collaborations? I don't really do them, and I really loved the one I did with V17 because they're a great band. If yeah. ever I was ever asked, right, I, if I would have to say, please, David Gray, pick me. <laughs> I love David Gray, and I, you know, he's the only person in the entire planet I'd love to sing with. As, as to whether he'd like to do one with me you know, is a different story, but I just love him, so I'm content to listen to him on my stereo. When you met Nelson Mandela, yeah. did he say anything you'll never forget? God, he, I remember him saying, you know, that was a beautiful song. And at one stage, I wanted to come up there and dance and sing with you. And I was like, you should have done. Yeah. So that was really nice. I'm like, oh, my God, he was getting into my music. What song had you sung? Dreamed. Oh, lovely. Yeah. yeah. It's been reported that you're among the 50 richest women in Britain. How does that feel? Um, I don't know how that feels because I, I, that's the first I've heard of it. Is it? I'm rich, I'm comfortable, I'm happy. And, you know, if it's one of the happy lists. That's nice, but that's the first I've heard of it. <laughs> what do you spend your money on? 
what do I spend my money on? Um, let me see what else. Well, I like... I'm not materialistic, but I do have nice things. But most of my... Apart from the most of it, spent on my house. Uh, my son's education and clothes, because I'm a shopaholic. Mm-hmm. And just friends, really. Friends and family who, you know, if anyone needs things. But anyway, we won't go there, because they know who they are, and I don't have to share that with you. That's all right. But, um, yeah, but no, I'm I'm pretty, you know, I'm not really a mad spender or, or anything, because I don't have loads of money, like posh or anyone like that. I'm all right, you know, that's it. Apart from David Gray, what's the last CD you bought, and what do you think of it? Nelly Furtado and Eve, those are the last two, and they're fantastic. Eve is the one who's just sung a song with um, Gwen Stefani. Right. And Eve has got an album called Scorpion. She's not a new artist now, although a lot. this is the album where a lot of British people are hearing about her. And I just think it's quite fresh, very American, but it works, and... She's just really cool. Well, I wouldn't mind having pink hair also. Um, <laughs> and then you've got Nelly, and it's kind of that R&B kind of vibe, R&B yeah. a bit hip-hop-y. Like her, you're known by this one first name. Is that a great source of pride to you? Yeah, I don't mind, yeah. It's nice not to have to bother with a second one. I've got one, but it's kind of nice, yeah. You're known to be an avid reader. What's the last book you read, and what did you think of it? Right, I'm actually, the book that I'm reading at the moment, I've got Dusty Springfield's autobiography. Right, cool. Well, it's kind of the one that I would say, because she's dead, and obviously all her friends kind of took part in writing this. But um, it's fantastic. I forgot the, you know what, I can't remember the name of it. It's just her, her autobiography. And uh, did you ever meet her? Never. But you're a big fan. I'm a big fan of hers. And the thing is, this woman went for a lot of... She's on language shit mm-hmm. in the early days and then having to do her sexuality and stuff. And I just picked it up on, at the airport. And it's, it's amazing so far. What was the home you grew up in like? The home I grew up in, uh, right, in south-east London, probably. It was all right. It was fine. Four bedrooms. It was okay. It wasn't a rich house. It wasn't a poor house. It was just average. Have you ever revisited it? No, but I do in my dreams. I've, I've been a lot of... I've had some nightmares on, the, in, on that road in my dreams in the same house. Like, I, I wake up and I'm in that house. And whilst I didn't have bad memories there, it's really weird that in my dreams I keep revisiting that old house and my old school. Well, how old were you when you left that house, then? Um, about... Oh, about 16, 17. What was growing up in South London like? It was fine. It was cool. Because it's really weird, because I hear, hear reports, you know, I've read stories and it makes it look like it's all ghetto, and it's so not ghetto. Uh, it was just cool. Everyone knew one another. Um, it was just, you know, quite a suburb, really. When did you first move away from home? When did I? I was about 21. <laughs> I was an old bag when I left home. <laughs> When you became successful, did you treat yourself and your mum to nice new homes? Not when I first became successful. I don't think I... I just bought myself a house and me and my mum moved in it. Mm. And now my mum's got... Now my mum's got a new home and I've got a new home. So, yeah. But I've treated us both too. So, yeah, I suppose it's now, like, eight years later. How much evidence of your career is there in your home? Evidence of my career, like... Like gold discs and pictures and... They're not up at the moment, but I do have... A couple, like, I've got loads of discs which aren't up, but they're going to go in my gym room. Right. Yeah, and my mum's got the rest, because I don't really need them all. My mum, my mum likes them. You've won a lot of awards. Uh-huh. What do you do with them all? Oh, my God, they're all at high on various mantelpieces. <laughs> and do you, do you like showing them off? Or I you... only like 
for example, like if workmen come around, they go, they get hidden in the cupboard because they think they can come around and charge you more money. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I show them off to just my friends and closest family. And, you know, like you wouldn't come in and know it was my house. And maybe if it's in my room, you know, in the bathroom, you'd see something that's kind of cute that I can strategically place things you know in what i call cute places have you got a studio at home and a piano and stuff i've got space for a studio that my manager reckons that's on put my studio <laughs> right <laughs> where is your songwriting most inspired at home on holiday or um anywhere basically in bed at home on a plane um but mostly in studios because that's when i force myself to get disciplined and do you ever get fans turning up at your home oh never Oh, I'm I'm not interesting enough. Do you, you never had any weird fans? N- no, not really. I've had young fans where I kind of mother them <laughs> and worry that, you know, like young girls outside at, like, maybe, what have I done? It was Capital Radio's old building and we had this young 16-year-old. Yeah. I'm like, no, you can't stay out there. Let's get her in and give her some tea and then get her home. And so and she kind of stayed with me for a few years and she's married now. Really? She's young, but she's married. No kids yet, but I'm waiting. Would you like your son to follow in your footsteps? No, I want him to do what, to be whatever he wants to be. If it means following my footsteps, then I'll be happy with that, and I'll help him out as much as I can. But I want, I want him to do what he wants to do, and he's only six, so, you know, that changes every day. What do you want to achieve with the rest of your life? I just want to be happy. Happy and to be remembered as a, you know, just an artist who's done some cool songs and had a fun time. But what would make you happy? Well, it'd make me happy. Oh, a continuation of my career. <laughs> right. <laughs> One of your songs is called I Wish. Yes. What do you wish for now? So I could maybe set out a gig like Earth Court, you know, like Madonna, or do like Wembley Stadium one day. <laughs>